welcome to Vineyard KC West podcast. For more information, visit us at vineyardkcwest.com. All right. So we're in the last week of, uh, of a four-week series that's taking a look at like our purpose, our mission, our vision uh, for us as a church. Because each church, each local body is this unique expression of who Jesus is. Uh, there's no church that's the same. And so we've looked at um, one is that God is all about transformed lives that transform a community. And, and then we've looked at uh, our focus as a church. What we do, like the way that we accomplish what we set out to do, transform lives, in transform communities is one is, is encountering God. We talked about that two weeks ago, this idea that we can all come face to face with God, that, that there's, that there's none that have to stand far off from God, but we all get to come near him. Uh, and that's our goal that we do together and then individually. And then last week we looked at this idea of an, of enriching community, like adding value to community and to get the most out of the body of Christ and get the most out of what, what God has for us. We have to participate in, in the body. And so we looked at uh, taking part in serving, being a part of groups and in different ministries as well. And so today what we're going to look at is we're going to look at engaging our city. And so if you have a Bible or Bible app, just get your fingers stretched out. We're going to go several different places. Uh, we're not going to camp out exactly in one place. And so, um, so you, can, you can fly through there. But beginning with the four gospels in the New Testament, uh, you see a picture painted that the first followers of Jesus, and then it spoke of you guys uh, that were to come, us, um, that what we were to do is we were to reach people with the love of Jesus Christ. And, and then once we reach those people with the love of Jesus Christ, like absolutely everywhere, then we're to lead them in this growing relationship of getting to know him and, and, and growing with him as well. So as people are led in this, they're transformed. And as people are transformed, then they transform the community around them. It's, it's what's happened for thousands of years. And so uh, what we're going to look at today is this, what happens when we focus on engaging our city. Um, engage means to participate or become involved in. And so you look at it and you say, okay, so we're supposed to participate and get involved in our city, right? But then also too, we also involve our city in that which we have, which is the kingdom of God. You know, the reign and rule of God, the, the, the God invading time and space with his love and his hope. And so it's this thing where you, you mix, you mix the people of God with the cities of the world. And that's how things are transformed and changed. And so uh, a city, what, what is that? Well, it includes our neighbors, right? We start with our neighbors, those that are closest to us. Uh, it involves our schools, right? Like the kingdom of God would, would come into every school. It involves our workplaces, right? That wherever we set our foot, even our workplaces, that God's kingdom would come there. It involves businesses that we are patrons at or that we shop at, uh, that, that God's kingdom would come there. One of the, one of the best things that, that, that I've done consistently to bring the kingdom of God and God's love is to make sure that even though I could find better deals at different places, sometimes I try to go to the same place. So I run into the same people that check me out or the same people that are security guards or the same people that are different places so that I can get to know them. And over time, you can minister to those people and care for those people. Um, uh, and then also even sports fields, right? That God's kingdom would come in the sports field. So the city, all of those things, there's even more. So we do this as a church together, like 
Like we are involved as a church at the local schools, partnering with them, caring for people. We're involved in local businesses. We're involved partnering with the city in different ways and caring for different civic needs. We're involved in all of those areas as an organization. But then there's even more importantly, you being involved, like in all the different places that you're at in the city, your neighbors, your people. And that's what we're going to push on today. So, um, this year for Thanksgiving, which is Thursday, if you didn't hear, um, I am going to smoke a turkey. Okay. Yeah. I've used, I've, somebody gave me a smoker. And uh, so I've smoked, I've used the smoker once and he had to give me like serious instructions. It turned out amazing. Uh, and, but I'm going to smoke a turkey, which I think that's, I looked at the instructions that that's like next level hard. And so, but we, we bought some chicken or some turkey breasts that are already cooked just in case just in case it goes bad. But I was reminded about the first time that Michelle and I like actually adulted and like cooked our own turkey. Uh, We were living in Colorado, pastoring a church there. And so we just said, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't we? And so we invited some people from church to come enjoy Thanksgiving with us. And, and so I just said, okay, what's the first thing we're following instructions. And, and I, I, I had this idea that I could make the turkey without like the the, the, the guts and things getting everywhere. Well, it was just absolutely, it was a, it was a massacre. I, I, I got the turkey guts and the turkey all over everything. And I was kind of a germaphobe back then. And so uh, I actually got the turkey stuff all over the, the faucet in the, in the kitchen sink uh, because, you know, you wash it off and whatnot. Well, anyways, I replaced the ch- kitchen faucet because I was just convinced that there was stuff up in there and that it would poison us as we did it. Right. So, so don't laugh at me. I'm just confessing here, you know? And so, so I, it's going to be much easier this time. It's not going to be any big deal. I'm just going to take the thing, throw it on the smoker. It'd be no big deal. But I had this idea that I could big, do this big meal without it getting it infecting everything else or getting infected. And that's actually Kind of like some people, like they think that that's how we're supposed to follow Jesus. Is that it's supposed to be this nice kind of thing that gets put together and it turns out all right. But, but, but I, I can't let anything get me dirty. I can't let anything, I can't let anything get messy. I can't, you know, let anything infect me or, or be around. And, um, uh, you know, don't get dirty from the world kind of, right? Like don't get dirty from, from what's around you. And, it's a, it's an it's an interesting thought or important thought because in some ways you're like wait Jesus has saved me from my sin I don't want to like go back to the life I was living before I don't want to live in a sinful way but there's something off though because you don't see that picture with Jesus and his first followers you see them absolutely set apart worshiping God in all the ways that they do and living for Jesus but you don't see this thing where they're not pressing in to the flesh around them and pressing into the people around them. You see them getting messy with other people. And so uh, more prevalent though would maybe be this idea. Maybe this would help us is that it's this idea that Jesus and my faith don't mix with the world. Like they're two separate worlds. I've got my faith in Jesus my Christianity, my spirituality. And then you've got everyday life, like the places I mentioned, like my neighborhood, schools, workplace, businesses, where we shop, sport fields, like they're two separate things. And the problem with that is, is you actually don't see that represented in the book. You don't see it represented in the Bible where you learn about Jesus and his followers. You actually see Jesus actually 
real flesh, real life amongst other people, amongst everyone else. You don't see a separation. You see this meshing together of these two worlds. And so to engage, right? We're engaging our city means to participate or become involved in. And so our focus as Christians is to take Jesus and our faith and absolutely participate in and be a part of the city around us. Right? And so we don't just want to have Christian everything, right? So, cause we can make sports Christian. We can make music Christians. We can make parties Christian. We can make everything Christian. And some of those things are helpful and it's not bad, but what about meshing in with the city around us, being a part of them? Because that's where the life is. We actually, especially in America, we don't really have the, it's not this thing like you build the church and they will come. It's no life is already happening out in the city and go join it. Go be a part of it. And so let's take a look at this. We're going to first look at how Jesus uh, actually engaged the city with God's kingdom, right? He absolutely did that all throughout his life, uh, all throughout his ministry. He engaged the city with God's kingdom. So here's some things that he did. He spent time with and ate meals with people that were far from God. Now you say big whoop, you know, no big deal. But for the religious culture that he was in, That was absolutely like, you don't do that. Like you don't uh, share a meal with a sinner because the idea was, is like, you could catch what they have. You could catch like, you know, if, if you're seen with them, it's when you would eat with somebody, it was this sign of acceptance of them. Like you were accepting them and all that, who they were. And, and and it's like, you were intertwining your life with them. And, And you're like, well, it's okay to accept people. Right. But in their context, it was a no-no. So Jesus would spend time with anybody, even the farthest from God. He, he, was, he loved them and spent time with them. And so you see this picture. Um, you see him in Matthew 9, 9 through 13, Levi, the tax collector. He's at his tax booth. And, and, and so Jesus, it says that Jesus walked up one day. And then it says that Jesus saw Levi. He saw him. And, you know, when Jesus sees you, it's not like a normal see you. It's, it's just kind of like you're undone before him. And so Jesus looked at Levi and he says to him, follow me. And so it says that Levi, who was a rich man, and you say tax collector, no big deal, right? Like it sounds like, okay, but the tax collector was seen as the worst of sinners, worst of sinners, because they had a certain rate that the Romans would give them to tax people at like a tax collector booth. And then they could add whatever they wanted on top of that rate. And charge people that. And if you didn't pay it, then the Roman government backed them up. And so they were seen as crooks, like the worst of crooks. And so if they had any friends, maybe it was other tax collectors. But nobody trusts a tax collector. So Matthew got up that day. And then it's one of the most beautiful statements in all of scripture. Basically, they had a party at Matthew's house. And it says that there were many sinners there. And so God in the flesh, being with them, spending time with them and having the best party that you could have. And what was interesting is, is that then the religious people, the people that supposedly knew and walked with God were looking into the party, judging and saying, how could this person know God? How could he be from God if he's with these people? Doesn't he know? And so they asked, well, maybe he really doesn't know God, or maybe he doesn't understand how bad these people are. But in reality, they saw God's heart for people expressed. And he just engaged them and took part in that. And and just a side note, Christians should have the best parties. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So if real life, eternal life has come and dwelled in you, because you guys, when you, when you die and walk through the door of death, which is really life, listen, yes, you will be in glory in its fullness with Jesus and with God. But listen, it starts now. Like that's the deal. Like you get it now. It starts now and then grows and grows and grows. And then you walk into it and it's a continuance of what you're experiencing now. And so if you have that life of God in you now, why shouldn't we have the best parties, right? And so parties where life and love is happening in truth. Um, he, he also, it says in Luke 15, uh, he welcomed sinners and he ate with them, right? And so sinners would include anybody, fill in the blank. The worst things that you could possibly think, that's who Jesus welcomed and spent time with them. And then there was Zacchaeus, the tax collector in Luke 18 and 19, the end of Luke 18, Jesus heals these blind men along the side of the road. And, and, but the scandal was, is that as he was coming into Jericho, into the town, the religious people and the people that they thought, of course, this great religious teacher will eat with us, had been preparing a meal. And it's, it's cultural. It's not necessarily seen directly in the text, but it was cultural because they were upset later. And they had been preparing this meal. But as Jesus walks in, he's actually passing through. He's kind of like, I'm not going to eat. And then all of a sudden he sees Zacchaeus, a tax collector, the worst of sinners. And he says, Zacchaeus, I must be at your house today. I must eat with you. And so you see this all throughout scripture, Jesus spending time with. He also pushed past man-made religious traditions that harmed versus healed. So the Sabbath was one of those. These restrictions of you can't do these certain things on the Sabbath. They made the traditions more important than actually loving God and loving people. This is some things that Jesus did on the Sabbath to push past this. He drove out an evil spirit from a man. And this is, uh, there's scriptures on your outline, or if you're online, you can download it. So he drove out an evil spirit from a man on the Sabbath. He healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever on the Sabbath. He healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. And all the religious at this time are saying, no, 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 you can't do this. Like you can't do these things on the Sabbath. And, and they're trying to keep right with God. And then God is like, yes, I can. This is what I do. I'm always healing. And then uh, he healed an adult male that was born blind on the Sabbath. He healed a woman with disabilities. He healed a man with dropsy. Dropsy is like this intense swelling throughout your body. He healed a man with this, another man with disabilities that was by this pool. And he could never get in the pool because they said an angel would come down to the pool. And if you were the first one in, then you got healed. And it's just man just lay there, just hoping that he would get whole, just hoping that he would get you get whole and healed. And Jesus comes and says, you know, hey, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want, what do you want to happen? And Jesus heals him right there as he's waiting. Uh, you also see that Jesus touched and cleansed lepers. And so lepers during this time, traditionally, they would have to, again, a tradition, uh, you know, we're, we're fo- the reason I'm sharing these things is, is breaking into the life of the city because we have certain barriers that we say, oh, we can't cross those because this is faith and then that's the city. Well, with this, like lepers, you couldn't come within a certain number of paces to them. And, and they would have to actually, like if the wind was blowing, they would have to calculate the wind and say, well, since the wind is blowing this way and there's all these people, I need to be even, I need to be even farther away from everybody, right? And, and so they do that. And they would have to actually walk to let everybody know that they had leprosy and say, unclean, 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 right? Maybe people don't do that today verbally, 
But there's definitely people that do that today on the inside, right? Where, where we feel unclean. And, and, you know, so that's why when you see somebody, you don't know what's going on with them, right? You may say, well, that person, what's their deal? What's going on with them? Or they see so standoffish. Well, maybe they have been taught that they're the unclean of today. Maybe they are that place and, 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 and they need to be healed of Jesus. Well, what Jesus did is he just touched these guys, right? Um, it's recorded in all the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, you see that there was one leopard healed. And so Jesus touched him and, and healed him. And, and, um, and then there was 10 lepers at once. Luke, Luke 17, where Jesus actually came to the, these 10 lepers. They're walking by and, and, and Jesus heals them. And he says, go present yourself to the, to the priest to show that you're clean so that you can be amongst everybody else. And, and they all took off, but then one came back. One came back and, and he had this transformational thing with Jesus. Instead of it just being a transaction where he got healed, he had this transformational thing where he knew Jesus in a deeper way. So then there's in the New Testament, you know, the story of the tax collector and the, the Pharisee, right? You know, the story of the sinner and the Pharisee where the Pharisee looks and he says, God, thank you that I'm not like this sinner, like this tax tax collector, like this guy. Thank you that I'm not like him. Thank you that I'm, I'm, you know, he's comparing his righteousness to him. But then the tax collector, the sinner says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Who walked away justified? You see, those are the social norms. Those are the things that we accept. But the social norms of the city don't necessarily make people right with God or help anybody really, you know? And then I remember, um, I remember, uh, this guy named David in Scotland. And so Glasgow, Scotland, we were there in 2003 and 2004, we brought high school students over there. I have a friend that had a church there. And so we went and just served the city and, uh, we did all kinds of uh, like we, uh, there was a skater community there. And so coming from Southern California, we had tons of skaters on our crew. So we went to their version of home Depot and, and we bought all this wood and we built ramps and everything and did this big outreach and, and hundreds of, of young people in the city came and, and shared Jesus with them and, uh, all kinds of stuff, but we would rent a van from this company. And, uh, I had a tough time driving on the right side of the road. No joke. So plus you have try driving on the right, wrong side of the road for us. And also with roundabouts, it got scary. Okay. There was many times like Cody. And cause I'm just driving. I'm like, and in my mind, I'm saying, why is this guy on the wrong side of the road? That's what I'm thinking. Right. You talk about norms, but then all of a sudden I'm the wrong guy on the wrong side of the road. True story. One guy did call the rental van company and, um, and the owner of the company called the hotel and Michelle was there because we just had Wyatt. Wyatt, who's 17, they called him the wee one. He was only two months old. And so it was me, Michelle, and Wyatt and, and, and 40 high school students and leaders. And, uh, and so he, the, the owner of the van company called Michelle and he says, is Cody okay? And she's like, yeah, what's the problem? And he goes, well, this, this guy called and said that he wanted to off him. Uh, because, because of the way he was driving the van. And so true story, but anyways, David worked at the rental van company and, and David, um, would drive me back to the hotel and, and help me put the van back and that sort of thing. And so I asked David as he was driving me on one of the last days. And I said, now, David, I said, what do you think about Jesus? 
And in, in all of a sudden he got very just introspective and he was thinking and he said, well, I, I have thought a lot about Jesus and, and I'm not a part of a church, but he was very intentional, but he goes, I've gone to church many times. And what I found is that the Christians at the churches I've gone to don't have time for me. I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, I have many questions, but it doesn't seem like they are interested in answering my questions. And so David and I prayed, right? And prayed for him to receive Jesus. And he did and walked through those things. And so there's this picture, but, but David, David is the city. And David was the city showing up at the church's door and saying, Hey, I'm here. I have questions I want to know. And the church said, Hey, we're doing our thing. Like we're doing our rituals and we're doing our stuff and didn't have time to walk through those things. You see, the church didn't engage David. They didn't participate and be a part of and share with David. It was like they were doing their thing and the city was at its door saying, Hey, can I participate too? And that's the picture of our city. They want to be, a, they want to be involved. They want to be a part of it. They want to take part. And so we have to engage the city. And so Jesus sends people to the city and even better, he gives them authority. And so Jesus, any, if you're a follower of Jesus today, he sends you to the city and then he gives you authority to function in the city. And so here's some things with that. We need to rethink evangelism because some of you may be saying, okay, this, we're talking about evangelism here. Evangelism is simply just sharing good news. And, but if we rethink evangelism, Jesus sends his followers as friends. Like that's all that it is. When Jesus sends you to the city, he's sending you to go and be friends with people. Because what did they say of Jesus? They said he was the friend of sinners. Jesus was the friend of the city. And so if we rethink this, we realize that this is not something that came with the New Testament. It's grounded in the Old Testament. And so listen to this. So Exodus 33, verse 11, it says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And so God is all about having friendship. And that's how he approaches people too. And then Isaiah 41, 8, it says, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. Abraham, and then came Moses, right? And then listen to this in Proverbs 17, 17. What does a friend do? Well, a friend loves at all times. And so this word loves here, it it actually means in the original, it denotes this like strong affection for someone and this desire to be with someone. And so if we're sent to the city as friends, then our affection and desire should be to be with those in the city. It should be be to be with our neighbors and in those people around us. That's how God sends us is to be friends with him. And so your friendships include your friends and it should include friends that, that don't know Jesus, that don't believe yet. It, it should include all kinds of people and the barriers that you say, well, yeah, but like, what about people that, or what about the people that, or what about these? The answer is yes. 
Whatever you can fill it, fill it in as. There, there's no barrier. Like God is invading time and space through the kingdom of God. He started with Jesus. He inaugurated his kingdom in here in time and space. His love, the way he f- would have things is invading. And guess what? You're taking part in it. And so there's actually, there's not any barrier. Like, well, yeah, but w- what if somebody that, yeah, even them, because we see Jesus do it. And so you, 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 you look at this and you say, well, gosh, where does it go? And I know the idea. It's like, well, gosh, what if I get dirty or whatever? I, you be wise. Like, you know, like if, if you, if you really struggled, like, you know, um, like partying a lot and, and you really struggle with, with drugs and alcohol, this sort of thing. Yeah. Don't go do outreach at a bar. Okay. Um, you know, that's maybe that's not for you. So you don't have to like put yourself in an unwise place, but you absolutely love and, and, and spend time with everybody. And reach out to everybody. And here's what I'll tell you. It's not hard. Like you don't need to get super creative with this. There's real people that God just wants you to be friends with and love right now. But it's not a bait and switch thing. Because I want to be careful. Because it's like, oh, okay. I'm going to be friends. And then I'm going to get them with the stuff. No, no, no. Be friends with people. Well, you mean, yeah. Like, like even if you never get to share or get to lead them to Jesus. and Just be friends with them and love them. Like it's, you're not loving them, you know, as a, as like a project, you're loving them because it's who you are and what you're called to do. And over time, what's going to happen is, 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 is that, is that you're going to engage with them and you're going to share with them and and process with them. And uh, it's a simple thing, but it really comes down to like, is, is the city most powerful? Is the world most powerful or he who is in you most powerful? You know, like Christians, would they be described as a thermostat or thermometer? Right? What is it? A thermostat does what? It changes the temperature. But a thermometer shows or reflects the temperature and changes the temperature. If you are a follower of Jesus today, filled with the spirit of God, you are not a thermometer. You're not to change yours to the, to the temperature of the time. You're actually to come and engage and change the temperature. Not, but let me be clear on another thing. Not as the moral police, but as one that just pours out love upon the city. Just pours out love upon the city. And so then lastly, there's this, which is, um, you know, you're authorized to do the stuff Jesus did, right? So Jesus sends people to the city and he gives them authority. So you're authorized to do the stuff Jesus did. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, good. So all authority, authority is, is, you know, you can, he can do whatever he wants. God's authority. And then he says, therefore go. So now he's saying, I'm giving you my authority as he sends, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and the Holy spirit. Now, typically Christians stop here and say, okay, so I'm supposed to do religious things with people, but then hence the problem because religious things don't jive with everyday life. Like the city, right? Like the neighbors, the sports, the businesses, like that doesn't jive. Everybody's doing something different. No, no, no. He's talking about bringing life itself, like real life. He's not talking about making things religious. He's talking about like baptizing real life, baptizing everything, baptizing the job, your job, baptizing your, your workplace. Now don't get all crazy and like start fire hosing your workplace and stuff. But you know, it's just, it's just, just bringing real life to wherever you are in baptizing it. 
And then he, and then it says in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The trick is, is this is, does this happen within four walls or does it, does it happen out there? Like, where's the main show? The church has always just been like the gathering of the people is just always the locker room. It's, it's not, it's not where the game is being played. The game is being played out in the city. Okay. And in, in too many people have decided that they're mature followers of Jesus because they're mature within the four walls. John Wimber used to say, who founded the vineyard, he used to say that, that, that the meat is on the street. So in other words, if you're a mature believer, you will show it out on the street, not inside of the church. Just because you can play church good doesn't make you a mature believer. Your true relationship with God is shown out when you're out in the city. Because that's where God's main activity is. And then in the locker room, you have training, you have building up, you have care, you have love, you have healing, you have equipping, you have all those things. But the real thing is out there. That's the main stage. And so kingdom authority is given by Jesus to us to transform cities. And so let me ask you, like in your city, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your sports, wherever you are, in the businesses that you frequent, what do you see that needs to be set right? Like, what do you see that's off? God has called you to bring life to that. You're a life giver. You bring life and love and just pour it out upon the city, wherever it is. So if something's off, he's called you to engage in that place. So you think of like neighbors, you see your neighbor and, and I remember this years ago and, and, um, uh, some roommates and I, there was somebody across the street and uh, in their yard was just weeds flowing all over and everything. It was just bad and all this stuff. And, and we sat there and, and I remember for like a year, we did like judge the person, like what's going on. And then all of a sudden we met the person and, and then what we did is we said, okay, because it was like an eyesore in the, in the, in the neighborhood. And we said, okay, well, let's go, let's go clean it up for them. Right. So, so if you're consistently noticing something like, man, what's the deal with that? Or, or what's happening with that guy? Or, or, or what are, what are they doing? And it continually bothers you. Maybe you, maybe God has sent you to serve and love somebody and bring life into that situation to bring transformation, but you have the authority to do it. And then, and then who do you see that needs to know that they are loved by a King, right? It's a different mindset. Right? We look at things in the city and we say, well, how terrible they're messing up the social norm. No, they are reflecting the extreme of the social norm apart from God. God's norm is life and love and for all people to be in the fullness of who they were called to be. And so when we talk about like evangelism and we talk about like going to the city, engaging the city, it's not like this thing of like, um, like a being timid whatsoever, but in the, in the same way that a, that a police officer would direct traffic or the same way that a police officer would pull somebody over if they broke the law or, or ran a stop sign. So you have authority over your city that you live in. Over the life and love of people. So you have been given the keys to the kingdom of God for all people. So when you see something immoral in your city. When you see something off. When you see somebody treated with injustice. When you see people hurting or, 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 you know, or, or being treated poorly, or when you see something that's off that shouldn't be, and it goes against the way God would intend things to be, guess what? And you say, well, why doesn't God do something about that? And he's like, I have. 
I've sent you. That's you. And so if you want to go big, though, go small. It's how it always works. If you want to go big, go small. Like we took a, 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 a recruiting trip for uh, one of my sons uh, for football, a college that he's talking to. And they walked us through the whole day from 9 a.m. till 2.30. Very well done. And the other players there too. And they went through all these little pieces that built their football program and what they're going to pour in. And they ended with the trainer with all of these different supplements and all these other things that they give and pour into the kids. And it's this whole system, all these little pieces for the success to help kids reach their full potential. It wasn't just like one big thing. We just do this. It was all these little tiny pieces. And so it is with you. Like if you want to transform your city, if you want to engage your city, start with small things. And so here's the small things. One is, is, is like, this is applications that we can all do is wait to be empowered. That's always been the call of the church is wait to be empowered. There's been plenty of people that have just set out and said, well, I'm going to do it. All right. We read it today. I'm going to just go change the world. Well, if you just do it in your own power, then, then you're just any, like anybody else. But if you wait upon the Lord and receive life and receive empowerment from him, like Jesus said in Acts chapter one, well, then, then you can actually go and, and do that and partner with God. The next thing is, is, is hang out with Jesus, right? In Acts chapter four, the officials saw some followers of Jesus. This is after Jesus had ascended to heaven and he's not there anymore physically. It says that they looked and it says that they, they were confused or in awe because they knew that these people had been with Jesus. In other words, they were like him. They had spent time with him and they were set apart. And then the next thing is, is, is talk about Jesus. And in this one is, is, is like, if you were to go to like, our hometowns in San Diego or, or San Luis Obispo, you know, the places I've lived in my life in California, mostly. If you were to say, hey, I'm going to go visit San Luis Obispo or I'm going to go visit San Diego, I would say, oh man, okay. In San Luis Obispo, if you get to go out to eat at one place, you got to go to Gus's. Gus's Sandwich Shop. Gus's, it, it's, this place has been around. I worked there as my first job when I was 13 in, in high school. And, and, and Gus's is, is just this amazing, it's just too good to even describe. It's the best sandwich you'll ever have, you know? And why would I tell you that? It's because I love Gus's and I love Gus's sandwiches and I've experienced it and I know it and I can tell you the things that I like and love there. You know, or in San Diego, I say, man, you, you've got to go to In-N-Out Burger because it, it's just the best. And people that say, what a burger or a different, but you just, you don't know. You just, you, you don't know, right? But you talk about the things that you love. And so if you love Jesus, if you know Jesus, then talk about him. And you don't have to do it like some sort of like, you know, okay, I'm going to get you now. But if you're spending time with Jesus and you're receiving life and love from Jesus, then that will just naturally flow out of you. Right? And so if you say to yourself, well, I don't know how I could talk about Jesus. Well, just be loved by him more. Receive his love and it'll flow out of you. And then the last thing is, is this, another little thing is ask, can I pray for you right now? And Above anything else, this is one of the most powerful things you can do to engage our city is just say, can I pray for you right now? It's just, what it means is, is this. It means that, that 
as you're out and about in your neighborhood or your business place or school or places that you go, and as you come upon people that, that need, they say that I can't or I need or I hurt or, you know, this is going wrong, these things. And as Christians, it is a cool thing to say, hey, I'll be praying for you. Like, that's cool. But what it communicates is in their mind out in the city is that God is somewhere else. He's at a building or he's with you at home. But when you say, hey, can I pray for you right now? No matter where it is, you're communicating that God is right there in the midst in that place. And that's what the city needs. The city needs to know that God is messing it up with them. He's mixing it up with them. He's not afraid to get dirty. His followers aren't afraid to get dirty. And they're right in the midst with him. And one last encouragement to you, John 14, 12, Jesus said this, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do every even greater things than these because I am going to the father and uh, Nikki and um, Morgan, if you guys come back up, um, I, I heard a story of, of, of something of this, of a uh, 81 year old man named Tom in, in Ireland. Uh, he, he, he got prayed for by some Christians that were just on the street. They had a thing that says, uh, you know, uh, for healing, healing on the streets, they call it. So they just had a chair set up. And, and so Tom came up and just said, yeah, I got some things going on in my body. I'm going to just get prayed for. And so Tom, uh, was healed, like whatever the problems that he had going on. And then then at that point he said, all right, I'm giving my life to Jesus. If if God loves me this way and shows us that I'm in. And so at that point at 81 years old, he then signed up for their, uh, for their ministry school at this vineyard church there. And so, and, and they were thrown back a little bit like, well, you know, typically a lot of times churches would say, well, 81, we'll make this guy an usher or whatever. But this ministry school was all about like risk. It was all about like going for it, like engaging the city hard. And so, so Tom joined the ministry school and he, he said it was September of, of the year. And, and he said that his goal was during the year program, just to lead one person to Jesus. He just said, I, I, I want one other person to experience the love and the hope that I have in Jesus. Well, within one year, he had led 24 people to know Jesus. One of them was his 79 year old brother. And he was just going all about engaging the city. And you look at that and you say, well, you know, okay, he had something special. No, he just met love and life itself. And that's what we do. We just take love and life itself. We're carriers of love and life. And we just pour it upon the city. And so that's what we're about here at Vineyard. That's what we're about. And that's, that's what we're called to corporately. And that's what we engage and do together. Sound good? Let's stand together and let's worship in this last song. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit vineyardkcwest.com.